Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Thank you, media. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. Father, as we get into your word this morning, I yield myself completely over to you, asking that you think through my mind and speak through my lips the words of this life. Let your word bring a transformation to the lives of your people here on site, those online listening, those online watching. Let your name ultimately be glorified. Regardless of the nation, where anyone is listening or watching from, let your power travel very far and fast and turn their lives around also. Forget us not that are here also. Let us have an encounter with you. In fact, multiple encounters. In the precious name of Jesus, we are prayed. Amen. As you journey through life, you will begin to find that life is a collection of seasons and times. Times and seasons. A season comes and you wish it to stay forever. Because of the goodies that it brings. But here comes another season that gets you down on your knees, asking God to please shorten the dark days. Life is a collection of times and seasons. And if you live long enough, we will experience, and we will live long enough, can I have an amen? We will experience the different times and the seasons of life. Seated before me this morning and listening to me are people who are in different phases of their lives. Just like we have autumn and spring and summer and winter. Or like in Nigeria, we have the rainy season and the dry season and the Amatan season. The same thing happens in our lives. Our lives are a collection of times and seasons. There are times when we have the mountaintop experience. When you just feel like life should remain like this forever. I mean, you pray for something, before the end of the prayer, it is delivered. Like one of our sisters was sharing this morning, I don't know, money is just coming, like everything, you know, it's just been supplied. And I said, glory be to God, amen. <laughs> I mean, we all like that season in our lives. When God, just continue, don't let anything change. But the same sister would tell you that there was a time that she also went through a season. Her mom was ill, and she prayed. We prayed as a church and all of that, and in spite of that, we lost our mother. Now, that, that wasn't a very good season. I've lost people close to me as well, so I know that uh, it's not a palatable experience. I've, I've done business that didn't work. I've done business that worked. When you do something that works and, and you have results, you are happy. You're joyful. You have the, the, the ecstasy and the excitement of, you know, things are just going on fine. You write exams and you pass and you make a distinction. And, you know, the list of your results is maybe a B. Everything's just A, 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 then just that one B. Amazing period. But 
ask the same person, was there a time, like one of our sisters also shared, in 200 levels she failed three courses. Now, those, those, that was not a season in her life that she would want to say, Lord, let this one remain. No. You want to fall on your face and say, Lord, shut in the dark days because these are dark days. Life is a collection of times and seasons. That's why as young people, you are privileged to be hearing this message at such a time as this. Because some of you don't know it yet. You are not there yet, but that doesn't mean you won't be there. Every man born of a woman will go through different seasons and times. Every man born of a woman. Particularly, more particularly because you are even a Christian. Because we are a Christian, we have a common enemy. The adversary who is walking about like a roaring lion. He's not a lion. He's a defeated bulldog, toothless bulldog. But he's roaring like a lion. Seeking for whom he may devour. May he not devour you. May he not be able to devour you in the mighty name of Jesus. One very powerful truth, however, that I've come to discover about God is that God is constant. Somebody say God is constant. He's constantly and consistently faithful, dependable, and reliable. No matter the season, God never changes. Listen to me. Times change. So when you are going through a bad time, if you are going through a bad time right now, don't give up because it will change. Seasons change. There are times when it's just dry. And we're praying, God, please send us rain now. Just send us rain. The same us who prayed for rain. When the rainy season comes, we say, ah, God, I want to go for lectures now. I have an appointment. Let this rain stop. Don't we do that? Come on, talk to me, John. Don't we do that? Life is a collection of times and seasons. So seasons change. It will not rain forever. If you're going through the rain now and it's not palatable in your life, I want to let you know that there is an end to the most stubborn rain. The sun will shine again. Can I have an amen? The cloud will give way and the sun will pierce through the cloud and you will be able to smile again in the name of Jesus. No season lasts forever. I said it earlier during the call to worship. As we're driving to church this morning, we heard over the radio that this current administration under Buhari will end. It will end tomorrow. Or as a matter of fact, has ended. And handing over will be done tomorrow. It's been eight powerful years. Shouldn't we be grateful that we made it? My wife said in Yoruba, so kosing kontiyo kenton afolaolorun. There is nothing that does not end. That includes those of you going through stormy times now. Hard times. There are some people in this church whose stories I know. There are some I don't know, but God knows. Who, are, who don't know what is going to happen this week if God doesn't come through for them. But I'm here to tell you this morning, that situation also has an expiry date. And this season, it will expire. A new season will dawn in your life. You know, some people have never really been helped in a long time. Everything they've gathered in their lives is a product of their hard work, hard labor. Labor, labor, labor. They don't know what it means to be helped. I pray for such people today. This season, you will be marvelously helped. 
people hearing voices and they can't sleep, the Lord will silence those voices. The Lord will grant you sound sleep in the night. In the mighty name of Jesus. Times and seasons change. People change. One day they said to him, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. The next day they said, crucify him. He's an idiot. He's full of devils. It's how can he say, this young man, how can he open his mouth and say that he will destroy our temple, the temple that our forefathers built, and they will rebuild in three days. How can he call himself the son of God? People are fickle in their opinion, fickle in their conviction. They change with time. But I've discovered something about God. And I've told him, it is you I will serve till I draw my last breath. And let me tell you what I discovered about God. God is constant. He never changes. Whatever God was, he is right now, he will forever be. It won't because of the enormity of your situation change. Ah! I'm no longer faithful. Malachi chapter 3 verse 6. Can I have that on the screen please? This is one point I want us to go home with. This will mark the beginning of deliverance for somebody in the name of Jesus. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6. I want us to read it together. And don't rush it. Read it meditatively. Oh, this screen is not working here. Media, please, if you can help fix it. I like to look this direction a lot. Okay, so let's read. One, two, go. For I am the Lord. Who is speaking there? Who is speaking there? The Lord God himself. Yad, hey, vav, hey. For I am the Lord. Uh-huh. I change sometimes. I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. You will not be consumed in Jesus' name. We can build our confidence on the fact that God does not change. Thank you, Tosin, for taking that song this morning. And thank you, choir, for that beautiful time of worship. He won't fail. You can anchor your life on Jesus. You can build your life on Jesus and you can be sure that it will not fail you. Somebody was sharing a testimony also this morning. Said when it's little like this, quarter to shame. When it remains small for shame to happen, God will come through. That's the God we serve. Look, if they say they are coming for you tomorrow, don't worry. You stay. You face your God and say, God, they said they are coming tomorrow. They are coming to throw my stuff away. Or they are coming to arrest me. Or they are coming to do whatever. Lord, I'm, I, I stay with you for as long as I know that I've not done something wrong. For as long as I know that I have you as my cover, I will stay. God will not allow you to be put to shame. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8 is the New Testament version of Malachi 3.6 that we just read. Hebrews 13 and verse 8. Can we have that on the screen, please? Hebrews 13 and verse 8. I can quote it, but I want us to read it. Okay, it's there. Let's read together. One, two, go. Jesus Christ, different yesterday. The same when? How about today? How about it may change tomorrow? What if he changes his mind? That you committed one grievous sin and it's so big and he's thinking of how to forgive you. Let's read that together. One, two, go. 
Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Can I have an amen to that? Times change, seasons change, people change with time. But God never changes. God never changes. Whoever God was in the past, that's who he is right now. Amen. And that's who he's going to forever be. Amen. Now, when Moses asked God in Exodus chapter 3, God sent him to the children of Israel. He asked God, if I get to them now, and they ask me, what's the name of the person that sent you? What name will I tell them? Because I need to know your name. God responded. Exodus 3, 13 to 15. I can quote it, but I want us to read it. All right. It's on the screen, and you can also look in your Bible. Exodus 3, 13 to 15. All right. So Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you. The God of your fathers has sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, what is his name? What shall I say unto them? Because I can see you leading me. I can hear you talking to me. But I don't know your name. I pray for someone. See, the most dangerous knowledge that we might have about God is head knowledge. You may know scriptures in your head. But do you know God in your heart? Knowing scriptures in your head might make you assume that you know God in your heart. But I can tell you it's not the same. In the furnace of affliction, that's where men are separated from boys. A lady was given a job offer. She was sharing this with me. In the middle of no money, in the middle of just trying to survive, she's a member of this church. She's given her life to Christ. She's listening to me now. She's made up her mind, I'm going to live right. I'm going to live for Jesus. A man offered her a job. She took the job. And in no time at all, after maybe a week or so of working, salary has not even yet been paid. This is somebody who needs the money badly. And the man is offering, I'll be coming over to your place to spend the weekend. Now, listen. Not many people will come and tell me that. Not many people will be able to take their stand and say, sir, to hell with you and your job. When you are not sure of a, a, a cup of rice in your apartment, the man will just come Friday, he will leave on Sunday. And this one is an elder in his church. And we withhold the name of the church because it can happen in any church. So there's no point tearing one church down. He's an elder in his church. So in my mind, as she was telling me, I was saying, okay, so he will, uh, because there's no way he will come Friday, Saturday, and he will be leaving on Sunday and nothing will happen. I mean, you and the man. 
in an apartment. So he will enjoy himself on Friday. He will enjoy himself on Saturday. And he will dress up and go to church Sunday morning. An elder in the church. If not that this lady already knew her God. With what I know in terms of her financial and economic situation. It would have just been a matter of, well, nobody will know. Nobody gets to know. Nobody will find out. Pastor will just see that my situation has improved. How far? Things are getting better. Oh, we bless the Lord. Hallelujah. God gave me a job. It will be God gave me a job. But the terms and conditions which apply are private. You know when you hear an advert, a promo, they say, buy one, get one free. Buy one, get two free. Be careful, oh. Because usually, listen to the promo, at the end of the promo, they'll say, terms and conditions apply. I do radio jingles, so I know. I know it. They say, buy a plot of land, we give you a ram, we give you 20 blocks, we give you 50 bags of cement, just spell uh, something, there's a scratch card, open it, when you scratch it, da -da 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 -da, and then you get a brand new Clario 2020. But at the end of that jingle, at the end of the radio commercial, you will hear, Terms and conditions apply. When the devil blesses you, he puts terms and conditions also. The only thing with the devil is that he hides the terms and conditions. If Satan gives you an apple, his apple may be ripe and beautiful and attractive, but it has worms. Only God can give you an apple. You eat it without even thinking. And you know you are blessed. Can I have an amen? Proverbs 10.22 says, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he added no sorrow. The blessing of the devil also maketh rich. There are people in this world that have been made rich by the devil. Yes, but he added plenty sorrows. I thank God for this lady. She stood for Christ. She left the job without even getting paid. So to hell with you and your job. You are a married man. You have your family abroad, so you want to be using me here taking advantage of my situation. Look, you know God, don't worry. Your test is coming. <laughs> we can't pray it away. Lord, no, I don't want to go through any test in my life. I don't want to go through any trial. In fact, the Bible says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Are, are you with me, church? I want to encourage you this morning to know God. I cannot know God for you. No matter how much I preach, even if I'm the best preacher in the world, I don't care who you listen to Monday to Saturday, and then you listen to Pastor Fred on Sunday, listen to the best. In fact, there was a man called the Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon. Go and listen to Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers. It does not equate, it does not amount to you knowing God for yourself. Because the day is coming when what you know will be tested. Ah, Ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Ask the disciples. Ask Peter. Peter was very garrulous. Very loquacious. Anything happens, he will speak. Anything when he went through the test, he became sober. Ask Paul the apostle. There's no body that God is going to use that will not be tested. There's no material you want to use to build a house that has not been tested in the factory before they put it in the market for people to use. Are you with me, church? I want you to know God. 
What I want you to know about God this morning is that God is constant. I want you to know that God is reliable. I want you to know that God is dependable. We are still in Exodus. Don't take that scripture away yet. Exodus 3, 13 to 15. Moses was trying to know God here. But I don't know you yet. You have given me instructions, but what's your name? What's your name? Some people come to me sometimes. They say they have a relationship. It started three months ago, and they would like me to meet the guy, etc., etc. And I say, what church does he attend? They, um, I don't even know the name of the church. I look at you and I shake my head. You want to marry someone? And this is the much you know about them. You know where they work, yeah? You know where they live, but you don't know their church. What ministry is he serving in, in his church? Um, I think, um, okay. Go to verse 14. What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses. What did God say unto Moses? I am that I am. <laughs> what kind of name is that? I am constant. I am what I am. I am who I am. I am what I was yesterday. I am what I am now. I am what I will be tomorrow. As a matter of fact, I don't have a past. I don't have a future. I dwell in one eternal continuum. One eternal continuum. So I am that I am. May I ask you, church, in the furnace of affliction, in the middle of your trial, can you remember that God at some point was ever faithful to you? Can you remember that time that God showed himself as a good God to you? Did it ever happen? If it ever did, has that God changed? Does it change? Is it I am that I am? No past, no future. is just present. And Psalm 46 verse 1 says, God is our very present help. God is a present God. God is a constant God. Never changes. He said, that's why you are not consumed. You sons of Jacob. I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Next verse, please. Thank you, media. And God said moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me unto you. This is my name forever. For how long? This is my memorial unto how many generations? All. Does that include this generation? God's name is still I am that I am. Can I have an amen to that? A thousand years time, God's name is still I am that I am. Who can bear that name? People change. Today they love you, tomorrow they, they don't want to see your face. If you, link lo if you live long enough, and you will live long enough, in the name of Jesus, they will experience all kinds of people in your life. There are 50 columnists who are with you but not with you. There are people who will betray you for 30 pieces of silver. Judas was among the 12 in the carcass of Jesus. They ate together from the same plate. Can you believe that that same guy was the one selling off his master? In life, we'll go through stuff. Don't kill yourself. Somebody's talking something about you. Don't kill yourself. Ah! 
And it was supposed to be my bestie. Don't kill yourself. Only God is the I am that I am. There are people that used to greet you, hug you, do everything, peck you. Now they see you coming, they cross the road. And you're wondering, what have I done to you? Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Have you ever been there? I mean, you literally call them to a meeting and say, what, what have I done wrong? I'm ready to apologize. And they say, no, nothing, no, nothing, no. But the relationship is never the same again. Because people change. But God is not like that. Let me say this very quickly. This is going to be part one of this series, Looking Unto Jesus. Because I don't want to rush you. All through, as long as God will give me, you know, the permission to share this. Maybe two Sundays, maybe three Sundays. This is going to be the topic, looking unto Jesus. And I believe that as we look unto him, our lives will never be the same. I want you to know, um, now, this same nature of the father, you will find also in the son. This immutability of the father. This unchangeability of the father, you will also find in the son. You know, the Bible says Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can I have an amen to that? Now, look, let's quickly go to John chapter 14, 7 to 11. I'll give a few scriptures and then I'll drive into the, the, the meat of the matter. The same nature of the father you'll find in the son, Jesus Christ. John chapter 14, from verse 7 to 11. He said, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. You know me, you know the father. That means what the father carries, I carry. I, I share the nature of the father. And from henceforth, you know him and you have seen him. What? Are you the father? Next verse. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the father and we'll be glad. It sufficeth us. Jesus said unto him, have I been so long with you, Philip? And yet, hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou, show us the Father? We're going to verse 11, yeah? Believest thou not that I'm in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself. But the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works, right? Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else, believe me for the very work's sake. He said to the disciples, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. I share the same nature of the Father. The Father doesn't change, I don't change. The Father is good. And he does his good works through me. That was what he told us in uh, verse 10 there. He said, the, the works that I do, I, I, the words I speak unto you, I speak not of myself. But the father that dwelleth in me, he's the one doing the works. So when you see me do anything good, it is the father. And I share his nature. Can I have an amen to that? If you go to John chapter 5, you see the same thing playing out. From verse 16 to 30. Then John chapter 12, verses 49 to 50. Let's go to John 12, 49 to 50. I can't read that John 5, 16 to 30. is a long one. And I want to wrap up quickly. John 12, 49 to 50. All right, let's read together from the word of God, everybody. One to go. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me. He gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. That means whatever the Father is saying is what I'm saying. Is that right? Same thing. Next verse. 
I know that his commandment is not is, is life everlasting, right? Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, I say my own. I say something different. So I speak. We are one. Amen? Get that place. Get that place. That's very important. The same nature of the Father you will find in his Son, Jesus Christ. The Father is good and does good. You'll find same in the Son. Acts chapter 10 verse 38. Quickly. It's a scripture we can quote, but I don't want us to quote it. Let's read it together. Acts 10, 38. Acts 10, 38. How God anointed. One, two, go. Let's read. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Who anointed him? Okay. Let's read again. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing bad? Who went about doing and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Amen. The father doeth good, the son doeth good. Why? Because he shares the same nature with the father. Glory be to God. The father never changes, the son never changes. Malachi 3.6 and Hebrews 13.8. Then, why should I look unto the son? Why should I look unto Jesus? The writer of Hebrews and I believe Paul the Apostle here. Open that 12th chapter with us laying aside every sin that does easily beset us. Putting aside every weight. And in verse 2 said, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Hmm. When life gets tough, there are many options to look at. Can I be honest with you? Can we be real with one another? When you run into a major challenge, usually, your first part of call is to get on your phone. Scroll through and see who you may call, right? That can help. Maybe a big man somewhere, or a big woman somewhere, an auntie, an uncle, your parents, I need help. How many of us go to God first? How many of us go to Jesus first? That before I even talk to my parents, I want to talk to Jesus about it. Jesus, I want you to handle this for me. <laughs> it is natural. The Lord said to me some time ago, at the beginning of a challenge that I got into. He spoke to me in my office. He said, the solution to this thing is not in running to men. It's in running to me. That is to him. So I said, okay, thank you, Lord. I'll run to you. But after a while, as the situation lingered, I thought, eh, even if God is going to do something, Shady will use men. <laughs> so I began to do my permutation and combination. I went to see a very big man. Very big. In fact, when I got into the office, and this is someone that really likes me. Likes me a lot. The countenance was not welcoming. So I said, okay. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So we had the meeting. 
I could see a lot of reluctance. And um, when I was done, I wasn't disappointed at the outcome. Because I remember what the Lord told me. The solution is not in running to men, it's in running to me. Yes, God will use people for us. And like I always pray for you, may God give you the gift of men. A better amen, please. And may your men not be few. But let us allow God to use whoever he wants to use. Because that is the one that will not struggle with God for the glory over your life. You go to the wrong person, you get the wrong results. Why should you look to Jesus? Number one, I have three points here. I hope I'm able to take them within the time frame. Number one, I'm asking you to look to Jesus this morning. And I'm talking to those of you particularly in very difficult situations. And those who want to prepare for the future. Look to Jesus because number one, the father is pleased when you look to Jesus, his son. The father is pleased when you look to Jesus, his son. Look to Jesus because the father is pleased. Someone say the father is pleased when you look to his son, Jesus. Now, how many of us here would like to please the father? Five people? You like to please God. Now, the father said, look to my son. I'm making the points very simple. And I want you to go home and reflect on them. As simple as they appear. They are not, <laughs> they are not weak. They may appear simple. <laughs> but these things will help you in the day of trouble. Then, look to the son. Worship the father in the name of his son. Pray to the father in the name of his son. John 14, 13. John 14, 13. Very quickly. I can quote it, but I don't want to quote it. I want us to read it. John chapter 14 and verse 13. And whatever you shall ask the father, whatever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the father may be glorified in the son. When you ask the father for anything in the name of his son, the father is glorified. The father is pleased. You remember those of you that were around when I was teaching faith in the name. The three ways Jesus got the greatness of his name. Do you remember? Number one, he got it how? By inheritance. Number two, by, by conquest. Actually, that's number three. But number three, it was conferred on him. The father conferred the name on him. It was the father that gave him the name. So the father says, when you talk to me in that name, I'm pleased. Don't come to me in your name. Father, I'm Fred Elegbe, your servant. I come to you in my name. That prayer will not go anywhere. But when you come to the Father, and you say, Father, in the name of Jesus. How many of you have observed that that is the opening of our confession? Father, in the name of Jesus. Then the Father is open. The Father is willing to listen to you. Why? Colossians 1.19. Go there very quickly. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 19. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 19. By the way, many of you didn't come to Encounter Night. Last Thursday, you missed a lot. Those of you who came, were you blessed? We locked hands with God and we prayed. Last Thursday of every month is the Encounter Night. Please make sure you come. It's 5.30 to 7 p.m. Time of prayer. 
Prayer, no teaching, just prayer. Don't miss the next one. Tell your neighbor, don't miss the next one. Colossians 1.19 says, For it pleased the Father that in him, that is in Christ, should all fullness dwell. Everything the Father has, he has invested in that name that he gave to his son. So when you call that name with faith in your heart, the Father is pleased. That's why I say to you this morning, look unto Jesus. Don't look to your uncle. Don't look to your pastor. Don't look to somebody somewhere. Look unto Jesus. Number two. Why did I say you should look unto Jesus? The shocking realities of life will prove to you over time that looking elsewhere is a waste of time. Why did I say you should look unto Jesus? Because the shocking realities of life will prove to you over time that looking elsewhere is a waste of time. Let me say this to you. Everybody has issues though. So when you run to people sometimes and they don't help you, don't be bitter against them. It is not because they don't want to help you, but they are probably dealing with something bigger. I went to see another big man. He's a billionaire. So you look at him and say, ah, a billionaire should be able to sort me out now. Abby? And we talked. When we finished talking, when I finished talking, he said, let me take a response. I said, okay, sir. So he now told me his own problem. That swallowed up my own challenge. It made my challenge pale into insignificance. So he said to me, my brother, sympathy is plenty. But money, I don't have. I said, wow. Sympathy, I have. I said, sir, it's really not even 100% money. This opportunity I'm looking at is connected to what you do as a medical practitioner, blah, blah, blah. He said, I don't even know anybody that does that. Again, as I was leaving that place, I felt like, gang, gang, gang. didn't I tell you? The enormity of our situation sometimes seeks to consume us. It seeks to consume our ability to even listen and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because we want an immediate solution. And you think that immediate solution is in the pocket of another man. So we begin to target, target, target. It's like you need 100,000. And you target 10 people. Ah, uh-uh, ah, worst case scenario. No, do, no, do. Auntie Margaret will give me 10,000. Ah, uh-uh, ah, no, do, no, do. Ah, uh-uh. ah. Uncle Tune will give me another 10,000. No, do, no, do. Uncle Johnson, yeah, that one has not given me, he hasn't given me money in a long time. He will give like 20. But worst case scenario, sure, 10. And then target another one. And then by the time you put it all together, you have your 100K. Audio money. Then you go to them in real life or you send messages. And as you are sending your message, they are sending you a story. Story, story. Oh. Say, ah, in fact, you know the most painful one. Ah, ah, 
Why didn't you ask me yesterday? <laughs> Have you ever been there? That yesterday own pain somebody. And you'd be like, ah, and I wanted to ask you yesterday. <laughs> but today, now that you have asked, now what can I do? Eh? Eh? What can I now do? Eh, uncle, do something. Ah, oh, he need to, eh? I, can't, I can't deceive you. The shocking realities of life will prove to you over time that looking elsewhere is a waste of time. Channel that energy into looking to Jesus. Are you with me, church? If you're in a storm right now, King Jesus knows how to get you out, and he will get you out. In Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 40, I'm not reading. I've preached a series on that. But I want to bring out a different point this morning. Listen, as I begin to close. In Mark chapter 4, 35 to 40, it was Jesus that told the disciples, let us pass over onto the other side. They just finished the faith meeting where he had fed people and all of that. Now, let us go over onto the other side. Who gave the instruction? Come on, talk to me, church. We have a few more minutes together. Who gave the instruction? So, were they in the will of God? <laughs> because it was Jesus that said, let's pass over. So, they were in the will of God. How come they hit a storm in the will of God? You know, people think that when life happens to you or when you go through, you're going through a storm or a big challenge and all of that, you must be outside the will of God. You know, only God knows the secret sin that he has committed. Only people will judge you. Only, ah, I've been telling that guy, very stubborn guy, doesn't listen to anybody. Good for him. Good for her. Ah, that girl, mm, you can't advise her, she will abuse you. I have a good news for you if you're in the middle of the storm right now. You're in the will of God. Can I have an amen? amen. We don't like it. Nobody likes the storm. Nobody. In fact, I'm going to build on this next week. Nobody wants to go through a season of, oh God. You know that sin of, oh God, oh God, ah, where's your face? Nobody likes it. But can I tell you something? It is because God is preparing you for a bigger season. Ah, uh -uh. <laughs> okay, for everyone that believes, I said God is preparing you for a season of bigger blessings. There is no body that God uses that will not go through the storm. The sad part is that many of our fathers in the faith don't share their storms. They only share their testimonies. We see the glory, but we don't know the story behind the glory. But if you go through the Bible, and if you go close to some of them, and hear what they've had to deal with, you'll be thanking God for your own storm. So, if you are going through a rough patch right now, you will not be going under in the name of Jesus. Maybe your business was flourishing before. But now you've hit a rock. No customer is coming. Your client's base is shrinking. Your ministry is not growing like a shoe. Or some customers are even leaving you. And they are going to the next shop. You won't go under in the name of Jesus. 
there is no temptation that has taken you which is not such as is common to man. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Say, but God is faithful. Who will with the temptation make a way of escape that you might be able to bear it. And you will come out on the other side more glorious in the mighty name of Jesus. The disciples were in the will of God. Yet, the storm came. They were in the middle of the will of God. It was Jesus that said to them, let's go over to the other side. Jesus is scolding. I mean, he scolded them, right? Jesus scolded them. His scolding was not essentially because they were in a storm. But it was because of their response to the storm. You've been in a meeting with me where in your presence, God, I broke the bread, I prayed to my father, and God did a miracle. He multiplied the bread and he multiplied the fishes. I expect you, and you carry 12 baskets of leftover, and you have those baskets with you in the boat. I expect you to use that memory of what God has done against this storm and say the God who multiplied the, 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 the fish and the bread is also able to deliver us from this storm. So I rebuke you, storm, in the name of Jesus. I expected you to use your faith. But you know, in the, in the heat of the moment, many, many times, if we are going to be sincere, we forget. We forget the faithfulness of God. You are complaining now that business is going under or is not doing well. Do you remember that you had nothing before? There was a time you had nothing. God gave you that business. The clothes you wear now, God brought you to this point. The food you eat now, he brought you to this point. There was a time there was nothing. And if you still hold on to that God, even if you come down to nothing, but if you still hold on to God, he will give you everything again bigger. Can I have an amen? Job was restored after the storm twice. Twice. He had twice as much as he had before. You know, these are stories we read in the Bible and we just gloss over it and, oh, cute, nice story. Job's affliction lasted for nine months. Psalm 34 verse 19 says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. May God deliver you. Whether you are online or on site, may God deliver you. That thing you are going through will not consume you. Our challenges are different too. For some of us, what you are dealing with is just criticism from friends. Criticism from enemies, from people. For some of us, maybe your parents. Your parents are having a storm in their marriage and it's affecting you. It's taking a toll on your mental health. You can't imagine it. You remember when you were four years old. These parents used to take you out to the amusement park. When you were five, when you were six, you used to go out together as a family. You go to the picnic, children's day, they will take you out. You take pictures, you have a lot of family pictures, you have fun together. But today, daddy is living in a separate apartment, mommy is living in a separate apartment. They don't even want to see eye to eye, they don't see each other. And that's affecting your mental health, it's affecting your joy. I pray for you, God will deliver you. Oh no, that amen is too weak. You will not go under, you will not lose your mental health. You will not lose your sanity. If you're in depression, you're coming out right now in the mighty name of Jesus. I command depression to loose its hold over your mind. Now in the name of Jesus. Shout a better amen. Your joy cometh this morning in the name of Jesus. When you're in the middle of the storm, people would misjudge you. Oh, I wish I had time to tell you about brother Timothy. Timothy was the pastor of the largest church in the world at some point. 
I'll speak more about him maybe in my next message. The church was growing. He had been mentored by Paul the Apostle. And Paul had moved on to other missionary work. But the time came in the city where Timothy pastored. A church, Bible history says, had over maybe 500,000 or so members. Mega, 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 mega. Uh, but another season came. People began to leave the church. One by one, two by two. And then in their tens and in their hundreds. And church was shrinking. Timothy was bothered. Not only that, he found out that there was a persecution going on in town and they were killing Christians. And he being the pastor of the mega church, his life came under attack, came under a threat. It got to a point that Timothy could hardly leave his house because he was living in the main town, like the cosmopolitan area. His life was under a threat because he was the number one man of the mega church. So if they got him, it was like getting the whole church. And that's the plot of the devil. He always attacks pastors. Because when you smite the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. That's why you need to pray for your pastor. Not criticize him. He's not perfect, doesn't do everything perfectly. You are not perfect either. You don't do everything perfectly. And I don't know one human being that does everything perfectly. Except Jesus. Pastors need prayers a lot. You know why? Because when we pray for you, and things happen, deliverance takes place, restoration happens, the devil that put you in that bondage will not be happy. He's coming for the person that, that God used to set you free. So we carry our own body, we carry the body of the church. It's a lot. Timothy was under a siege. What siege? He wasn't just living in fear. The spirit of fear was all over him. It was in that moment, Timothy wrote a letter to Paul. And Paul was now in prison. The second, the second Timothy chapter 1. That was now the response of Paul back to Timothy. Timothy was in fear. As a matter of fact, Bible scholars said when he was writing that letter, he had drenched that letter with tears from his face. He was crying. His faith was being shaken. Do we continue to do this? Or do we close church? Bible scholars told us that Timothy actually at that time was considering shutting down the church and running away. Jackman didn't start today. He started many, many years ago. He was considering running away because his life was under a threat. Do we still hold on to this Jesus? They are killing my members every day and they are coming for me. He could, he could hardly step out of his own house. He was inside his house in trepidation and in fear. And he was writing to Paul, his mentor, his father in the faith, looking for consolation. People talk to me a lot. They don't know what I'm going through myself. Paul was in prison. Paul had his own issues. They had determined the day that they were going to cut off his head. The day he was going to be killed. He was dealing with that issue in prison. Because they accused him of being an arsonist. They accused him. It's a long story. I'll share with you at Bible study someday. Maybe my next message or two Sundays time, then Bible study. I want, I want you to know that story. It will encourage you. And Paul looked at the letter of Timothy and said, hey, this guy, do you know what I'm going through as well? But I want you to know something. Timothy, shake off. 
that beast, that spirit of fear. You need to shake it off. In verse, from verse 5. Can I have 2 Timothy 1 from verse 5? He reminded him of the faith that was in his grandmother. Say, so when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith, that is genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in you also. Yes, he was reminding him of his faith. Timothy, don't let go of your faith. Don't let go of your faith. Don't let go of your faith. The furnace is hot now. The storm is mighty. I understand. It's boisterous. It's trying to sweep you away. But remember, remember, remember the faith in your grandmother, which also came into your mother, which also is in you. Unfeigned faith. Original faith. Not mouth faith. Not mental ascent. Original faith. He was reminding Timothy. We need to be reminded sometimes. And then Paul said, wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God. Stir up the gift of God that is in you. By the putting on of my hands, I laid hands on you and the gift of God came into you. Stir it up. Stir it up. Your deliverance is not coming from outside, it's coming from inside. God sent somebody to church this morning to hear that. Your deliverance is not coming from outside, it's coming from inside. Can I have an amen? Your deliverance is not coming from outside, it's coming from inside. Can I have an Amen. Every tell your neighbor, stir up the gift of God in you. God, now Timothy said to, Paul said to Timothy in verse 7, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That was the response of Paul to Timothy. You are looking for consolation in me. No, consolation is in your spirit. Get it out. Get strength out. I won't tell you the rest of the story. I will tell you later. But Timothy survived it. Can I have an amen? And God was glorified. And he lived long. He was a young man at that time. Maybe in his early 40s. Or maybe late 30s. Pastoring a very large church. Uh, it was as if he was going to die. But the man lived beyond 80. If you ask the disciples, they can tell you. The shocking realities of life will prove to you. That over time, looking elsewhere for help is a waste of time. Look unto Jesus. Can I have an amen? Look unto Jesus. Can I have an amen? amen. Ask Peter in Mark, Matthew chapter 14, verses 30 to 32. As Peter was walking on the water, Jesus was walking on water, and Peter said, if it's you, bid me come. And, and Jesus said, come. And he was walking on water, and he saw the wind boisterous. And the Bible says, when he considered that, when he looked away from Jesus and looked to the wind, it began to sink. It began to sink. Can I talk to somebody who is already beginning to sink? Normally, Normally, naturally, you don't begin to sing. Alright? Anybody begins to sing? No, you don't begin to sing. When you walk on water, you just sink straight. Have you ever tried to walk on a swimming pool? Except in African magic, you say, oh, I'm sinking, I'm sinking, I'm sinking, I'm sinking. No, you don't, you don't begin. You just go like this. <laughs> just like that. And then, tukum, and then you begin to drink water. Are you with me, church? Are you with me, church? But, but Peter was beginning to sing. Small, small. Because he was still in faith. His faith was still working, but weak. What did Peter do? He cried out for help. He said, Master, save me. And guess what Jesus did? Jesus just walked away from him. Jesus just abandoned him. Take care of yourself. Doubting Thomas. 
Jesus just chickened out on him. He just bailed out on him. Did he do that? Why will he fail you? Why do you think that Jesus will fail you? He walked up to Peter. He actually went to Peter. Come on. Can we have that verse quickly? And immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand. He went to Peter, stretched forth his hand, and caught him. I pray for you. The mighty hand of God is outstretched towards you. And it will catch you. Your feet will not fail. Your faith will not fail. If Jesus went to Peter, it will come to you. Peter stopped looking at the wind. Peter now looked unto Jesus and Jesus came to him. Look away from everybody. Look away from the enormity of the problem now. Look to Jesus and Jesus will come to you. Can I have an amen? Isaiah 2.22. It says, seize you from man whose breath is in his nostrils. What can it be accounted of? In Psalm 146, verses 3 to 5. The Bible says, don't put your trust in princes. There's no help in them. Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. There is no help. There is no help. Verse 4, his breath goeth forth, he returneth to his earth. In that very day, his thoughts perish. Next verse. Happy is he that has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Let your hope be in the Lord your God through his son, Jesus Christ. And your hope will not be disappointed. Amen. Psalm 46, verses 1 to 5. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Come on, give it to me. Next verse. Therefore, will not we fear. Read it together, everybody. Read it with me. Though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, uh -huh, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, Though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Selah, there is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. The holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. And that right early. God will help you and the help will be early. It never comes late. It will never come late in your case. Don't commit suicide. Don't. Don't. Don't give up. Hold on to him. God shall help you. And the help will come right early in the name of Jesus. Point number three. And I stop. Why should I put my trust in Jesus? Because why should I look to Jesus? Because those who look to him are never put to shame. Psalm 34 verse 5. They looked to him and they were radiant. And their faces were not ashamed. Your face will not be ashamed. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Uh -uh, uh -uh. Your face will never be ashamed. Paul the apostle said in Philippians 1.20, he said in my hope and my endless expectation that in nothing shall I be ashamed. In how many things will you be ashamed? Nothing means no thing, no situation, no circumstance. Lie against me, I will not be ashamed. Whatever happens, I will not be ashamed. Come rain, come shine, I will not be ashamed. Come Amatan, I will not be ashamed. Come winter, I will not be ashamed. Whatever happens, I will not be ashamed. You will not be ashamed in Jesus' name. Those who look to him will not be ashamed. King Jesus will take care of you, spirit, soul, and body. He will preserve you. Preserve your spirit unto his coming. Preserve your soul unto his coming. Preserve your body unto his coming. Your body will not decay. Your organs will not have problems. Your cells, your tissues, your organs, your systems. While you go through this storm, you will not have a, you will not have a breakdown in your health. 
Come on, shout a better amen. It is not good that you break down along the line. Then solution now comes. Now you are not able to enjoy it. Oh, that thing has happened to many people. You say, oh, somebody called me recently and told me about a particular lady that fought for a grant. She fought to the nail. And enemies fought her. They fought her real hard because she wanted to liberate the people. She said after the victory came, there was an imposter who was trying to act like him, like her, rather. They found out, the, the white people, the foreigners that were giving the grant, found out that, no, this is not the right person. So they came to Nigeria. They traced the documents that this woman had, and then they traced the person that was the next of kin. And they found the man, and then they started putting things together in the right order. But where is the woman? She passed on two years ago. That would not be our portion. I said, that would not be our portion. It sounded very much like the story of Rachel. Jacob loved Rachel so much. But when the time came for Jacob to go back to his final settlement, they were coming. Rachel was heavily pregnant. Jacob said, when it was just a little way into Ephraim, I think she gave that to the child. And named the child Benoni, child of sorrow. But Jacob renamed the boy Benjamin. He changed the name so that the boy would not be a child of sorrow all his life. Because that's a confession. The name people call you is a confession. And it will follow you. So be careful the name you call yourself. In spite of the storm, say, I'm blessed. I'm still blessed. <laughs> and like I still bless. In the middle of my trials, in the middle, I still bless you. Thank you, choir. You are just in the spirit today, like always. As a little way into Ephraim, just a little way. Rachel tried to make it now. Rachel didn't make it. A little way into the land of promise. Sometimes when distress is too much, it creates problems health problems. So when the prosperity now comes, then the person now starts nursing problems instead of enjoying the prosperity. I pray again, that will not be our portion in this church. Every adversity, everything orchestrated by hell to sink us, we terminate it today by the power in the blood of Jesus Christ. I pray for every one of us here and everyone listening or watching online, it shall be well with you. You will get to your promised land, and you will get there in sound health. So as I close, I tell you this morning, don't look at the enormity of the storm raging against you. Don't look at the bigness of your problems or your troubles. You'll be discouraged if you look at the enormity of the issues. You'll be discouraged. Look not at what you see right now. Look to King Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Why did I say that you should not look to what you are looking, what you are hearing, what you are seeing right now, or what you are experiencing right now, because it will soon pass. It is temporary. On the screen and on your feet. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. Let's read this together. 
want to go for our light affliction, which is bought for a moment. Is for how long? Is for how long? A moment. Worked for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen. All the troubles, those are the things which are seen. But are the things which are not seen. The promises from the word of God are the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen, the troubles which we see today are what? Temporal. But the things which are not seen are what? Eternal. This season will change. We are going through a bad time now. It will change. It will expire. And it will expire very quickly. God, for the sake of his mercy, will shorten the dark days. And it will hasten your new season in. Can I have an amen to that? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let me give you the word for the week in closing. Many of us now at a point where we need supernatural acceleration. Amos 9.13, message translation. Media, I hope you have message. God bless you. Amos 9.13, message translation. I want you to run with this word every day of this week. No matter what comes, no matter the phone call you receive, look to the word. Look to the word. It will happen. Amen. I feel like singing <laughs> before we take this.